Welcome to the Friday edition of Couch Potato Diary. My name is Peter Klein. Thank you guys very, very much for tuning in today. As always, download, rate, review, subscribe wherever possible. Uh, you can find me on social media, Twitter and Instagram. I'm at primetimeklein, twitch.tv slash primetimepk. You can email the show, couchpotatodiary at yahoo.com. The music for the program provided by Wasted Talent. It is a fighting and football Friday. We are, uh, I'm taping this on Thursday. I have some other commitments on Fridays, which are going to extend uh, throughout the Canadian Football League season. So um, don't know what happens in the Raider game. Don't know how the Lions-Bears game is going to finish, but it did not seem like a game that required too much attention. So thought I could sneak this in before I watch the Raiders uh, probably lose handily to the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, we're going to run through the CFL postseason, just a couple of games and then pick per game on the NFL and uh, a couple of boxing notes to close things out today. Let's start in the CFL. It is playoff time. The Saskatchewan Rough Riders getting set to take on the Calgary Stampeders. These teams met three times in a row. Um, for Calgary, it was only twice in a row and then a game against BC and then Saskatchewan, uh, but the Riders having a bye in there. Was on the uh, Horseman podcast and talked about how my initial thought was, oh, Saskatchewan's going to win this game. And then you get to that pesky question of why, and I guess more specifically, how. And I don't really know. Um, and the, the answer I came up with, and it's the one I believe with, it's not like I just, you know, pulled it out of thin air. This game has to be ugly for Saskatchewan to win. If this gets into a Wild West shootout, Cody Fajardo... Uh, has one 300-yard game this season that came against Ottawa. He has two multi-touchdown games since October, one against Calgary in the third meeting and the other against Edmonton, who is Edmonton. This is a rider team that hasn't scored 30 points since September 24th against the BC Lions. If Saskatchewan's going to win this game, it's going to have to suck. It's going to be a lot of William Powell. It's going to be a lot of short passes, and you're hoping that Bo Levi Mitchell has one of those turnovers that was creeping up a lot on him this season. Saskatchewan's defense is going to have to come up big, but just you, you look at just different boxes. Coaching, Calgary. Quarterback play, Calgary. Running back. Man, I really like William Powell, but probably Calgary. Receiving court. With Bagleton there, it might be Calgary. It's probably Saskatchewan. And then defense, Trey Roberson is back for Calgary. That box goes to Calgary as well. The more you dive into this game, the more it starts to really feel like this is probably going to be a Calgary victory Sunday afternoon at Mosaic Stadium. This is where Cody Fajardo has to really establish that he is the guy. And I have had major doubts about him being the guy in the back part of this season. Credit to my dad. He was ahead of the, the curve on this, although he is um, there on everyone. But um, I, I just, you haven't seen Cody Fajardo go out and win an important game for Saskatchewan. In the game that they win against the Stampeders, it's 222 yards and two touchdowns. Like, he hasn't been, hop on my back, boys, we got this guy all season long. He is going to need to step up in a major, major, major way and then probably get some help from the defense if the Riders are going to win this game. On the other side, in the East semifinal, it is the Hamilton Tiger Cats against the Montreal Alouettes. I think Hamilton is hitting their stride at the right time. I think Jeremiah Masoli is rounding into one of the better quarterbacks in the league once again. I think they have a lot of their weapons back. Um, Addison probably not going to play, but even so, you've had a lot of young receivers step up 
out there in Hamilton. I and I'm not a Trevor um, Trevor Harris guy. I was going to say Trevor Lawrence, although not inaccurate either. Um, I just I don't see Montreal really having the weapons to be able to keep up with Hamilton. A reminder before we get into the NFL coming up Saturday at 8 a.m. It is the start of the 24-hour video game marathon on twitch.tv slash primetimepk. Going to run through the wrestling games on the N64. Um, and if the N64 doesn't hold up, I got the GameCube here to as, as a backup if we need to give the uh, give the N64 a breather. Ooh, and obviously spam phone call is uh, calling me right now. Going to ignore that one. Um, so yes, twitch.tv slash primetimepk. We are doing this in support of Movember. I'm a couple hundred dollars short of my goal right now. So we are doing the video game marathon to hit that goal and hopefully exceed it and maybe hit another couple of goals. Uh, but yes, Saturday, 8 a.m., we are doing the video game marathon, 24 hours, uh, and it'll end Sunday morning at a, a good time to get ready for NFL and CFL broadcasts um, on Sunday. So there you go. Just a reminder for that. NFL now. It is week 12. Week 12? Week 12 in the NFL, and it is time to run through our picks for the week. Um, not doing the Thursday games, obviously, as this is on Friday, and so that that, that that would seem like a weird thing for us to do. Uh, we start with Atlanta against Jacksonville. There are a few on here where it was, oh, I can I pick none of them? And, I mean, I make the rules. I probably could have, but I'm just going to go Atlanta money line. I think, like, neither of these teams are good, but Atlanta is closer to good than, than Jacksonville is. Uh, that, that is my analysis. Atlanta money line minus 135. Carolina against Miami. This one is, I mean, it's, it's two of my darlings going head to head. And I thought they would both be in better spots at this point in the season than they are, but I'm, I'm going to go Miami plus two. I think this one could be a very, very close game. Obviously I'm picking Miami plus two. I think Carolina's defense is really good. I have concerns that Cam Newton is going to be able to hold up um, throughout this game. And like he, he has played better, but we'll see how it's able to do. I just, I'm going Miami plus two. The Jets against Houston, I'm going the Jets minus 140. I think uh, Terod Taylor is the advantage in this game for the, the Houston Texans. So I, I think they pick up a win there. Now we get into some more actual real games. Philadelphia taking on the New York Jets, or sorry, New York Giants. The line is Philadelphia minus three and a half. I am going to hit that all day. I, I don't think the Giants are very good. While I don't think Philadelphia is super good, they are substantially better than the Giants. And I get that this game is on the road. I don't think that matters. I... If you want to try buy, want to try to buy an extra point to get through that key number of three, then you can. But Philadelphia, I think, wins this one going away. I think Philadelphia picks up a big win over the New York Giants as they continue to push for first in the NFC East. Give me the Eagles minus three and a half. Steelers on the road taking on Cincinnati. Bengals only favored by four. Uh, Pittsburgh. Again, I said this on Monday's show. I guess it was on Tuesday. Um, I said this on the first show of the week. Pittsburgh is a team that everyone, as soon as they have a relatively close game, everyone latches on to that. I, I am not on the Steelers at all in this game. Give me Cincinnati minus four. Uh, again, I don't think, I don't think Ben is up to it. I don't think that defense is going to be able. Like, I just, I don't see Pittsburgh being able to score thirty-seven points a week, and I think they're going to have to against a, a Cincinnati team that figured a couple of things out last week against the Vegas 
Raiders. Moving on, it is Tampa Bay taking on the Indianapolis Colts. I just went Tampa Bay money line on this one. Don't want to mess with the points as I think the Indianapolis Colts will be able to hold things relatively close in this game. But Tampa Bay coming off of a bye, still don't have um, Antonio Brown back. You are getting Rob Gronkowski back, which I think will be a good weapon for Tom Brady to have. I, I think that this is going to be a big breakout game for guys like uh, for a player like Pittman. I think Carson Wentz has a big game this week as well. But I think the Colts end up coming up just a little bit short. I like Tampa Bay uh, minus one sixty on the money line. The Tennessee Titans seven point underdogs heading into Foxborough. If anyone was healthy in Tennessee. I I would like Tennessee to to cover in this one. I don't think New England has an offense that blows teams out, but I just I can't see Tennessee keeping this game close against New England um, with all the injuries that the Tennessee Titans have had to endure. It's just if if you had best on best, then this line might honestly be completely flipped the other way. But I I think Bill Belichick going up against a team that doesn't have AJ Brown or Julio Jones or um, Derrick Henry. I, I think he eats their lunch. So I, I think this one is a, a pretty big blowout. The Chargers taking on the Denver Broncos. I just went Chargers money line on this one. The reason I didn't go with the points, and I think it was at um, uh, three and a half, I, I believe was the, the line on that one. The, the reason I didn't go with the line there is I think Denver has an opportunity to keep this game close. We have seen teams that are kind of run dominant hang around against the Chargers, and I think that happens again this week. I, I think between Williams and uh, Melvin Gordon, I think Denver is going to have quite a bit of success actually running the football, and I think that's going to cause a lot of problems for the LA Chargers. So I like Denver to to kind of keep this game close, but I do think that the passing attack with Herbert, Keenan Allen, I think Mike Williams has a pretty good game here. I think they are able to eventually get it done, but for this reason, I also like the under at 48. I think Denver goes a little bit more ball control and keeps this score rather low. Rams taking on the Green Bay Packers, essentially a pick'em, and I picked Green Bay minus 105 on the money line. I think the home field advantage in this one is going to be a key for Aaron Rodgers. I get that there are some issues on the offensive line, and this is a good defense that you are going up against, and that could be a concern for um for Green Bay, but I just I feel like the Packers are the best team in the league right now. But this is a marquee matchup Sunday afternoon. The Vikings, three-point underdogs going up against the San Francisco 49ers. I'm going Vikings plus three. I, I just I feel like this game is going to be super, super, super close. If you wanted to buy an extra half point, it might come down to a field goal. I just Look, we, we know I'm not a big fan of the Vikings, and we know I picked San Francisco coming into the season, so this pains me greatly, but it's just that there's something a little off in San Francisco right now that I'm not fully buying. If San Francisco wins this game, then I am back all in. Not, not to win the division like the bet I had before, but I, I am back thinking that this could be a San Francisco team that might actually be able to do something this season. Sunday night, it is Cleveland taking on the Baltimore Ravens. I got the Browns plus three and a half. Lamar Jackson continues to be kind of a game-time decision when it comes to uh, the, the illness that he is dealing with, the non-COVID illness that he is currently dealing with. I, I think that this could be an opportunity for um, for Cleveland to keep this game close. This is, this is the Browns' season, really. I think going into this one, I think the Browns are going to keep this one close. I don't, I don't see it being a super high-scoring game. Even if Lamar Jackson is back, how healthy is he? So I, I, I like the Cleveland Browns in this spot, plus three and a half. And 
Monday night, it's a pick'em. Seattle against Washington. I get Seattle has fallen off a little bit, and that was a big win for Washington against Tampa Bay. But come on, really? I I don't I don't see these two teams as being equals right now at all. So I I get Seattle on the money line minus one hundred five. I will take that all day long. The music that you hear on Couch Potato Diaries is provided by Wasted Talent. Find them on Instagram at Wasted Talent with X is where the A's would be and find their producer on Instagram at Tommy Fresh Music. Also, twitch.tv slash primetimepk, 24-hour marathon coming up starting Saturday morning. Moving into boxing, uh, this weekend was a strong one for Terrence Crawford as he reminds us why he is one of the best in the world right now. Ring Magazine coming out of his 10th round knockout of Sean Porter has him number three pound for pound behind Oleksandr Yusik and of course Canelo Alvarez and I think that is probably the right spot for him and I, I think when we look at this kind of golden period it, around this weight class 154 147 140 pounds I think we're going to look back at Terence Crawford as kind of the king of this area but I do think that the the fight that is next for him is Errol Spence I think that is now to, to really define this era in this weight class of all of these guys mixing around and fighting each other and dancing around each other a little bit, I think you have to... I think you have to make that fight. And, and that could be... I don't want to say era-defining, but that is one of the big fights, I think, to make for 2022. I, I think that is absolutely a fight that that needs to happen. For Porter, he retires um, a, a fabulous career to say one of the all-time greats would be a bit of an exaggeration, but but certainly one of the better ones of this generation of the sport and uh, a career that I, I believe definitely should be celebrated. This weekend, it's the last real big fight of 2021. Um, all due respect to, to Devin Heaney coming up as well. But Teofimo Lopez finally, finally is fighting on zone this weekend. This fight just needs to happen, and we just need to get it over with. Lopez needs to fight, in my opinion, needs to fight, needs to close the show very quickly, and then get back in the ring as soon as possible. This just this can't continue to linger. This was a complete wasted year for one of the true talents in the sport. We just talked about the, the top three, pound for pound. Teofimo Lopez was in that conversation when this fight was supposed to happen almost a year ago, and it has just fallen through over and over and over and over again. And it can't, we just have to get past this one. We have to move on. This has been a disaster for the Teofimo Lopez brand and for Teofimo Lopez in terms of having having himself be part of the conversation as one of the, the top fighters pound for pound. Let's get this one over with and let's have an opportunity to see him against Lomachenko in a rematch. Because I think it's it's kind of hurt Lomachenko as well. It's just been bad for the sport. Not that this is the death nail of boxing or anything, but this fight just needs to, needs to happen and we need to move on with it. A couple of weeks ago, it was Canelo Alvarez with a decisive victory. We broke it down with Michael Short. This podcast was supposed to run, or this interview was supposed to run a couple of weeks ago, immediately after the fight, but I was on holidays and then I got sick. So we are going to uh, run it now. Here is Michael Short breaking down Canelo Alvarez against Caleb Plant. 
Well, he was basically exactly right on how the fight was going to go. So we may as well bring back Mr. Boxing in Calgary, Michael Short, to break down Canelo Alvarez against Caleb Plant. Uh, Mr. Boxing, how are uh, you and your your ability to see the future doing today? Yeah, I'm doing well, Peter. Just a little bit of understanding the sport and where the two guys were at in their careers. And uh, um, I think a lot of people saw it that way, too. So I wasn't too blamed. <laughs> well, uh, you, you were the most brilliant on this show, so you, you have that for sure. Um, I, I, as far as the fight goes, like the, the result played out uh, as you had said, but did anything in that fight surprise you? Um, not so much. I mean, we, we kind of knew that Caleb didn't have a lot of firepower to keep Canelo off, but, you know, he's a decent boxer. And guys that move and box usually give Canelo problems anyways. And, you know, Caleb did a, a good job at it. He's a pretty big guy, too. He's a natural super middleweight. And Canelo has moved up to super middle. So but you, you just see the difference in, in the levels of the two competitors. And uh, I, I just thought that, uh, you know, it, it's always tough to, to knock a guy out that is disengaging and not really taking chances. So I, I just saw... Uh, Caleb, you know, I, I thought in the corner that they should have really pushed him after about the eighth round and said, hey, listen, we're not winning these rounds. You know, we better take some chances here and go for something. Go out on your shield. There's no shame in that game. So you, know, you might as well go for it. But they didn't do that. They kept boxing and moving. And, you know, I, I, I guess that was their plan. So, yeah. And from Canelo's standpoint, uh, just uh, another another great showing for him. And I uh, again, like he he just he continues. To, not that we talked about it on on Friday. Not that Caleb Plant was like the toughest challenge that anyone could have. But when you go through the resume and you see the different types of boxers that he has fought, the different weight classes that he has fought in, uh, Canelo, in my opinion, seems to be moving into some pretty rare air. Um, that that seems to be the talking point coming out of this. Is it's not what could be next for Canelo. It's where is he starting to stack up amongst all-time greats. Um, do, do you view Canelo in, in that realm, or do you think there's more that needs to be done for, uh, for for this generation's top boxer? Well, there's the key word. For this generation, for this era, yeah, for sure. He's, he's becoming an elitist. He, he's mastering his craft. He didn't have a mark on his face after that fight. You know, there wasn't too many clean uh, power punches that landed on him. It was really just, you know, a snappy jab every once in a while from plant, but... Uh, yeah, you know, like like I said, Plant's a bigger guy naturally, reach, height, everything to his advantage. And Canelo controlled the whole fight, had him backing up the whole first round without even throwing a punch. Like he was walking him down and he didn't even have to throw too many punches. So Canelo is separating himself from the pack of guys that are out there. Uh, that doesn't mean that he's always going to knock people out with ease. These are professional fighters. These, these guys train like they're, they're legit, like that they have skills and credentials. And, you know, Canelo, Canelo was moving into that category of being able to dominate even, you know, top quality guys. And whether he knocks them out or not is incidental. I mean, that also shows you why it's, it's so difficult and important to recognize somebody like Mayweather how he dominated and never, even when he had an off night, he still pulled it off. Mm -hmm. So you got to remember, sometimes you do have an off night. Sometimes you, you just can't fire the way that you want to, but, but he was still fighting the lead guys and still pulling it off. So still winning. And that's what Canelo was doing as well. He didn't have an off night on, on 
on Saturday for sure. I mean, he, he, he looked really good. But Caleb, you know, let's face it, he, he rose to the, the pinnacle of what he could possibly put out as well. Like, you know, he, he really raised his game for that fight and he brought his best. And so that, that's why it, it looked like a pretty decent fight throughout and it was an exciting finish. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and for Caleb Plant, like, I, I, I don't know if he's all of a sudden going to be a, a super duper star coming off of this, but I, I do think there's at least some intrigue to, to going, going into whatever his next fight would be. And um, if you're not going to win one of these fights, that, that kind of seems like almost best case scenario where you just want people to, to notice you and appreciate you and maybe pay attention to your next stuff after this. Yeah, he'll, he'll still get some attention. There's still some uh, decent fights uh, for him out there at super middleweight. And so, and, and you never know, he could move up into light heavyweight as well, but mm-hmm. he's got the size and everything for it. But, you know, he's, he's not going to become an elitist in this era. He's not going to be a, you know, multi-weight champion. He won't, he won't do anything like move to light heavyweight than heavyweight. You know, he, he's just not going to do it, but uh, there's still some, some life left in him for sure. Uh, he didn't, he didn't get crushed on Saturday night. He took some shots. Most of it was in the body. And then just at the very end is when he took the, the devastating head blows. But he hasn't had that his whole career. So he doesn't have a lot of mileage as far as that goes. In, in his whole career, he's never really taken punishment. He hasn't been, you know, beat up like that. So he's, he's still got lots left in the tank for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And like you said, with his size, it feels like he could probably go up a, maybe even a weight class or two. Like he, he seems like there, there's, there is room for expansion on that body anyway. Yeah, I think so. At least for light heavyweight, you know, mm-hmm. I, I think for sure he can go to light heavyweight, but uh, Canelo, I mean, uh, I, I think for him to go back into light heavyweight and fight some of the, the guys, you know, that are in that category, like Babel or better BF or somebody like that, that that's going to be real, real tough. I mean, he did move to light heavyweight and, and took on Kovalev. Kovalev, as we talked about, was, you know, not in the prime of his career. Not, not completely shot, but he was definitely, uh, you know, on the decline. Mm-hmm. And uh, he did knock out Kovalev, but it took him, uh, I think, 10 or 11 rounds to knock out Kovalev. And so it'd be really, really tough to fight some of the current light heavyweights. So, but, you know, there, there's, always, there's always intriguing matchups that happen out there. So for sure. Yeah. Yeah. When, when looking at what's next for Canelo, I, I looked up at, um, at, at 175 and there, there just wasn't, there, there wasn't that one that kind of stood out for making it worth the risk. Like you said, the Kovalev fight, it made sense because it was a guy with a name, but wasn't necessarily the, the biggest threat. I, I wonder it like the most intriguing fights to me, I think are back down at 160 with like Gennady Golovkin. You can fight uh, Jermel Charlo if you want. Uh, the guy whose name I always screw up, uh, Derviochenko. Um, I, I think I missed a couple vowels in there. But it, it seems like 160 is, is at least the most intriguing, but that also means they're the most difficult fights, and who knows what, what Canelo wants. Um, is there something at the top of your wish list for, for what could be next for Canelo Alvarez? Yeah, you know, I, I think uh, David Benavidez, like all the names he listed, re- really good homework. Um, but David Benavidez... I think is a solid competitor too. He has missed weight a couple times at super middleweight. So you, know, you got to watch him, but um, he is a pretty big dude. I, I saw him live sparring in uh, New York when I uh, was there and saw him go nine rounds with three different opponents. He's a very solid fighter, you know, very, very good boxing skill and he can punch a little bit. So that's a good matchup as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the biggest thing is what, what fights make sense 
financially. So I, I know that there's always those fights that are, you know, going to be ordered, you know, number one contender, like uh, Canelo had to fight that. Uh, was he Turkish? I think that uh, Yildiz or y- Yemen or oh, I forget his name. He, he fought him last year and, and it went three rounds as expected. It was, it was not a, a challenge, but you know, what fights actually make sense financially. So, you know, you, you look at some of the other weight classes and you see these guys that aren't, aren't getting the fights. Uh, they're not taking fights or whatever, because they've made some big money and they can sit for a while. And, you know, Canelo, there is some challenges there, but what is going to make sense financially? How is he going to get paid huge amounts of money to fight somebody that nobody ever heard of? You know, mm-hmm. there is a, a limit to that, but he's always going to have his sort of his pay scale that he's going to maintain, but to make a mega fight, such as, you know, a 50 or a hundred million dollar payday. Um, I don't think there's anybody out there really that can generate that type of interest. That's all. Yeah. Yeah. Like the closest one would be another triple G fight, right? Like there, there isn't another Pacquiao to his Mayweather right now. Yeah. There's nothing, nothing major league like that. And, and that shows that he is pulling away from the pack. Mm-hmm. So if he can still maintain a 20 or $30 million payday or something, I'm not even sure what he made on Saturday, but if he's, you know, making up into the 20, 25, $30 million range, uh, he might get some of these other challenges uh, a little bit less than that. I'm, I'm not sure, but uh, that, that's what it's about. That's, that's why these guys do it is to make money, obviously, and mm-hmm. maximize their earning potential while they still can and while they're young and all that stuff. So, but right now, no super fight for him, but challenges, like actual challenges in the ring, yeah, for sure. The guys that you mentioned, and uh, I would add David Benavides to that list as well. That's probably yeah. one of the top ones. Um, last one on Canelo, and then want to get your thoughts on a couple of other things going on in boxing. Um, th- this was his first venture away from DAZN in a while. Uh, it was a, a Showtime pay-per-view, which having the, the boxing pay-per-view at the same time as the UFC pay-per-view uh, was not necessarily kind to my bank account. But um, he, he's now back in, in free agent land, I guess. Where do you see Canelo? Uh, maybe we don't know who he's going to be fighting, but where in, in terms of whether it be Showtime um, or whether it be DAZN? That those are kind of only the options that are out there right now. Yeah, you know, I don't know if you paid attention or caught it, but uh, the, the fight was brought to you by Canelo Promotions. Mm. So that, that's a big thing. You know, uh, I would say probably Mayweather kind of started this type of path for the elite athletes. Uh, they don't necessarily need a manager anymore. They don't necessarily need to be signed to a promoter anymore. Like they, they can bounce around. They can fight for whoever, top rank, uh, you know, matchroom, uh, DAZN. It doesn't matter. So they can negotiate their own stuff. And... They, they don't have to be, you know, on any one platform. Mm-hmm. So uh, with Canelo, you know, he, he can, he can bounce around a little bit. He doesn't have to be stuck with any one promoter and each promotion is still going to make money having Canelo as a headline. So uh, that, that's, that, that's kind of where he's at as far as, you know, what he's going to be able to do. So I, I don't know. Um, you know, he's, uh, he's, Learning the business, I think a lot from the way that Floyd Mayweather laid the groundwork, and this is going to continue to take him up to that level of, of uh, I guess, worldwide, you know, transcending the sport. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Where uh, the, the the common person, the, the housewives, the grandmother, uh, they, they know who Canelo is, and this is all right. he needs to do is 
stay active, stay in the, uh, in the public eye and keep doing events like this. So, mm-hmm. yeah, he's, he's got to the, the point where my mom's asking about his fights. So, you know, that's, yeah. that, that's always my barometer for if, if you've crossed into the, the super mainstream or not. Yeah. And, and he is definitely starting to get to that uh, redheaded Mexican guy. He's got a, you know, a, a catchy little nickname Canelo, which means cinnamon. Uh, there's a local ice cream shop in Calgary now called Canelo's. Oh, really? Yes. Oh, interesting. Hmm. Sponsorship opportunity now. Uh, <laughs> last one for you. Um, on the, the, the local level, um, I know the Dakota um, social media channels sent out like what's required to, to put a, a fight on in Calgary right now. And yeah. it seems like a lot. Um, do you anticipate that we're, we're any closer to, to getting boxing back going up, uh, up and running here in Calgary? No. Did you read the details? It, it seemed like a lot. Yeah. So, okay. So first off, what, what many people don't know, because I've been contacted recently by several guys in, in Edmonton, we've had fans reaching out to us saying, Hey, I missed the shows. Like, what do you think? Is there any chance? So that's why we eventually made that post to let everybody know. So just to give you a, you know, a little bit of background, uh, in order to host professional boxing in Calgary, you need to work with the city of Calgary, uh, combative sports commission see you know it has to be regulated otherwise it's considered illegal prize fighting in canada okay right. and there's regulations that you have to follow medicals uh the, there's certain criteria that you have to meet as a promoter and, and such okay now the city of calgary in 2014 in order to host an event was usually around five thousand uh, fifty seven hundred dollars that included your doctor that included the judges the referees all the staff required from the city to work the event your licenses for your fighters, the promoter license, all this kind of stuff. Going into 2015, it went up about triple. So it was about fifteen dollars to $16,000 just for commission fees. Now, before you sell a single ticket, you got to pay the commission. You got to pay two police officers to stand and watch your event. And that's usually about sixteen dollars to $1,800, depending on how long the show goes, because these guys get paid by the hour. Mm-hmm. And you need an ambulance, which is usually about $1,000. So before you sell a single ticket, you're almost $20,000 in the hole. Now we're not hosting at the Saddle Dome. Right. You know, we're, we're hosting at the Deerfoot Inn Casino, which is about 500 people. And, you know, the promoter has to pay for travel for the boxers and coaches. You got to pay for hotels, per diem, all this kind of stuff. Then you have your, you know, your back end stuff. You have your commentary. You have your, your ring announcer, your ring card girls. Like everybody gets paid more than the promoter, even the ring card girl. So that was a huge thing. Now with COVID, the city is telling the promoter, so for the same size event, that they need us to now pay for rapid testing for every single person involved in the event, every single city worker, every single back-end person, production crew, like anybody running a camera, anybody being inside the technical zone or in the back. That's probably going to be about 100 people. So now you're looking at, you know, possibly another fifteen to seventeen thousand dollars on top of on top of your bill. So, you know, right there is is a deal killer. Then the biggest thing is that they reserve the right to cancel the event within twenty four hours of the weigh in if uh, if cases are going too high, if they can't recruit staff because people are concerned. So it's not an actual number. It's just sort of a feeling that, oh, we don't think that, you know, it feels safe right now. We don't think that it's a good idea. 
we see cases are on the rise, this kind of stuff, they can cancel your event with 24 hours notice. So how on earth can you put up all that money, bring people into town, have hotels booked and paid for, have production booked and paid for, have everything booked and paid for, and then now they cancel your event and then you're out. So, you know, you're not going to take that chance. And even if money wasn't the issue, I mean, you're still going to bring people into town and, and book this event and, and have all this advertising and tickets sold and, you know, fans let down. This is just where we're at. So the city of Calgary will not host an event. And that, that, that I felt was not sort of offering a sort of a progressive type of approach. They didn't put any, any uh, consideration in there for fully vaccinated people whatsoever. They're just telling you that everybody has to be tested and test negative. And that's the other thing. If we keep testing and you're, you're, you have uh, vaccinated athletes and if one of them tests positive, well, that fight is off because mm-hmm. there's a positive test there. Now I don't, I don't know all the details, but I don't think football and hockey are doing anything close to the same type of thing. I'm not exactly sure, but I, I don't know what the protocols are there. And I don't believe that they're testing all these athletes and coaches and production people at the Saddle Dome and all the staff, you know, servers and everything like that uh, before every single hockey game or, you know, football. So I don't know. We're, we're getting gypped right now, but we're just we're, we're keeping our heads up and still doing stuff like this, talking about boxing, being involved in boxing somehow, some way. Um, our local athletes like Candy Wyatt has another fight coming up in December in Quebec. So, you know, we're, we're doing what we can. Some guys are even taken off down south into Mexico and they're actually buying their own fights. So they, they go down to Mexico, they, they pay their own trip, they pay for their opponent's salary, everything, and they, they're leaving Calgary to go fight in Mexico just to have competition. And, you know, that, that gets expensive too, especially mm-hmm. for a, a young up-and-comer. So, so it is really, really tough right now, but those are the things that people don't understand about Calgary, how expensive it is to do business here to begin with, and then now you have the extras. And just to give you an insight, our direct competition or uh, comparison for hosting combative sports would be the city of Edmonton. And the exact same size show in the city of Edmonton, you know, before COVID protocols, would cost you about $7,000. Wow. So Calgary is fifteen to $16,000. Mm-hmm. Edmonton, for the same thing, is about $7,000. And part of the, the biggest expense there is the... Uh, our chairperson um, who was heading the commission, Ms. Shirley Stunzi, she presented to council this cost recovery model. That's what she called it, this cost recovery model. And that's what raised the, the rates up. And the bulk of that cost recovery and the, the, the charges to the promoters is a monthly honorarium. So the, they call themselves volunteers, which is kind of true to be on the commission, you're a volunteer, but yet you get paid, not a salary, not a wage, not a fee, not a commission, you get paid what they call an honorarium. So it's just a legal term to, to say that you're getting a paycheck every month to meet. Right. Or they have a three hour meeting or a two hour meeting once a month and they get paid about $300 for that two hour meeting as an honorarium. So they can maintain their stance as being volunteers, but they're really not. It's just a, a way to you know, cover up what your wage is or your salary by le- legally changing the name to 
<laughs> honorarium. So I wish I could get paid honorariums, not have to pay <laughs> tax and all that kind of stuff. So, but th that's the woes that we face. That that's the truth of it is how much it costs to begin with. So you operate on a shoestring budget, and then they come up with something like that, pretending that it's progressive and moving forward. And hey, we're at least trying to do something. It's, it's really not. You know, uh, you just can't. You, you can't hope. That's all there is to it for right now. Yeah. Well, hopefully that changes. Uh, definitely miss the shows here in Calgary and uh, looking forward to when we have live boxing back in the city. Uh, but between now and then, always enjoy our chat, sir. Thank you very much for doing this. And uh, I'm sure I'll be bugging you again soon. Yeah, right on. Thanks, Peter. Thank you. That's it. That's the show. Thank you guys so much for tuning in again. I know I'm harping on this a lot, but this is the last time I'm talking to you guys before it runs. Coming up Saturday morning, 8 a.m., twitch.tv slash primetimepk, WCW versus NWO Revenge, WWF WrestleMania 2000, WCW Revenge, I might have said, it's WCW NWO World Tour, sorry, and then WrestleMania, and then Revenge, and then No Mercy. We're gonna try to run through all of the video games in 24 hours, all in support of Movember. Please tune in, donate, uh, the link's everywhere. Please, please, please do that. Uh, it would mean the absolute world to me. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. I will talk to you coming up on Saturday morning. I'm out. <laughs>